0: welcome to the elevate podcast i'm your host and coach tyler johnson thank you for tuning in if you are a return listener i'd be grateful for your rating or review and if you dig this episode give us a like or share and now whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset your game or just your day you are in the right place in this episode we're talking all about the breath with my guest who is Recognized as one of the top US doctors in her field, she is a clinical psychologist and leading expert in mental health and fitness. She is the author of Breathe, the simple revolutionary 14-day program to improve your mental and physical health, as well as the book, Breathing for Warriors, and her children's book, The Belly Breath. She also has extensive experience working with first responders, military, and law enforcement, for topics related to endurance, stress reduction, precision, pain reduction, and PTSD. She was also the former director of breathing science at the Ash Center for Comprehensive Medicine in New York City, and has served as an advisor for the Fitness Institute for Gold's Gym. She's also previously been the health and sex editor at Men's Fitness Magazine. I thoroughly enjoyed getting so much knowledge of the breath getting dropped on me in this episode. Go give her a follow on social media, her website, for the breathing will be linked up here as well. Welcome to the Elevate podcast, Dr. Belisa Vranich. I'm Dr. Belisa, how are you doing today?
1: I am great. I am great. I, uh, yeah i don't know you know you wake up every day and there's opportunity i just feel this way to especially today there's opportunity for things i get yeah. to do what i love um it's nice out I, yeah i'm feeling good To i don't wake up this way every day but today i'm totally just feeling i'm just happy about it there's good. a lot of good stuff going on today yeah
0: good well i know uh <laughs> one of those first things we do uh when we wake up is we start thinking, but one of the things we forget to think about is our breath that kept us alive all night, right? Yeah. Um, That's your world of expertise. I wanted to kick off by asking you, what's one of the greatest misconceptions about our breath?
1: Ooh, greatest misconception is that we breathe well. Um, Mm. Breathing is a movement, so you can do it kind of okay and get to where you wanna go, or you can you know, hobble along, you can do it fairly okay or you can do it really well. So because it's conscious and unconscious, we have the potential to really screw it up and we have.
0: Maybe what are some of the ways in our, our society that we've gotten it messed up?
1: So part of the problem is that the vision we have in our head of a deep breath is so warped and cartoonish that uh, that it's done horrible things so for instance when you think take a deep breath you think of this kind of Superman like posture this big puffing up of the chest and that's what we think when we think when we think you know take a deep breath and it's not our fault because usually you know you're watching TV or whatever and they say take a deep breath that's what people do superheroes take a deep breath as kids. The adults around us take a deep breath like that. So we think that take a deep breath is an upward motion and it couldn't be farther from the true. There's no other animal on the planet, even those that stand upright like we do that take a deep breath and go up because the biggest part of the lungs is not on the top part of our body, but also the muscles that, that help us breathe that actually power the breath are in the middle of the body and, are there because the best part of the lung, the densest, most oxygen-rich part is there. So we should be expanding and narrowing in the middle of the body.
0: Can you quickly talk? I have a very limited knowledge of the breath compared to you, but uh, can you talk about quickly, I think one of the things I found early on was just one of those unconscious the difference between nose and mouth breathing. And sure. kind of doesn't that kind of tap into different, our, our different parts of our lung that you kind of talked about?
1: Actually, whether you breathe through your nose or your mouth doesn't do anything um, to okay. at all. So, it's an orifice where the air goes in and out. Okay. So, I've been hearing lately that nose breathing helps you breathe more diaphragmatically, and there is just no connection between your nose and the diaphragm. Um, okay. um, so, you can breathe uh, correctly in an anatomically congruous way and breathe through your nose. Uh, or you can breathe through your mouth and breathe in a good, you know, mechanically good way sure. or switch back and forth. Right. So there's nothing about nose and mouth breathing that actually, um, that, that help with a particular muscle and your breath. Okay. So it sounds like an awesome shortcut, but it just isn't true. I've seen people that breathe in all different directions and it's just, they're not connected. Now you may have a, a correlation. So for instance, If you're breathing through your nose, just sitting here talking to me, you're probably calm. And if you're calm, you're probably taking a smaller breath that may be lower in your body just because you're calm. Now, when you're in a situation where metabolically you need more oxygen is that you're going to open your mouth and take bigger breaths, which means that you're going to be using primary breathing muscles and auxiliary muscles. So middle of the body and top of the body. But that's the situation that dictates that. It's not sure. necessarily that there's a nerve that goes from your nose to your diaphragm.
0: Right. I think that was something I think, uh, you know, I had heard that connection. So I'm glad we kind of diffused that. Yeah. that you know, <laughs> if, you're, if you're tired, you can, you can breathe through your mouth. It's okay. Just Yeah, um, yeah. When you talk about kind of that, I loved how you compared it to physical movement and breathing is a movement and we don't think about it like most athletes think about our physical movements and our techniques and things like that. But what are some quick tips to maybe correct some of those societal things that you see that don't make people breathe as best as they could?
1: So one of the things that's important, and, and that's how I developed my training when I teach teachers to teach breathing, is that people will not change what they do unless they understand the why. So if you have someone who's tight in the middle and breathing up, they will not change unless they understand their anatomy. And thankfully, most people, at least most people I'm around and most people this kind of teaching attracts, really like anatomy. So I want you to think about your lungs. And they're sort of slightly more pointed at the top and slightly wider at the base. Mm -hmm. And the base is almost at the bottom of where your ribs stop. So if you would do this now is take your fingers and put them at the bottom of your ribs in the front of your body and now flatten your hands, is that the densest most oxygen rich part of your lungs is going to be there and all the way around your body. So a good and efficient breath, especially if you're an athlete, you want an efficient breath. Do you want to take one breath in the middle or four or five up and down with your shoulders? Your recovery time is going to be shorter if you take a more efficient breath sure that being said also what i call a vertical breath that's one with the top of your body up and down actually uses more energy than it produces so not totally efficient Mm -hmm. tyler i've now forgotten the beginning i've now forgotten (laughs) the question
0: Uh, you're you're unpacking it i was just saying you know what are some simple adjustments we can kind of make to that we could breathe better from some of those societal things or maybe sitting too much or
1: yeah. So just a simple one is that just the concept. So let's just break down the concept is that a good breath is not up and down. And again, I say good in quotes. I get in trouble for that. But if anybody looks, the Breathing for warriors was the last book I wrote. Mm-hmm. And I have a section called Bad Breathing and Good Breathing. And then I have a footnote in the bottom that goes like, you know, that this is sort of tongue in cheek when I say good and bad breathing. Sure, sure. Because um, there's there's a more mechanically sound way to breathe. But in general, like, I can't say there's a terrible ter- There is ways that are not as good, but like bad and good breathing is a little tongue in cheek. Are there ways that are more efficient, especially for an athlete? So absolutely. So I want you to think about the fact that the middle of the body is how we should be expanding. So let's just fix the concept in our minds. That's yeah. probably the best thing you can do. If you see someone breathing up and down the, the, ripples of negative that happens from that is tremendous and everything from your center of gravity is actually off if you're breathing up and down with your shoulders and that for athletes is really important there's one study by a guy named eric pepper who i absolutely love don't know him personally that um found that athletes that breathe vertically or what's called apically are more prone to knee and ankle injuries well if you're an athlete hell That's really important, tell me more about that. Now, if you're breathing horizontally, you actually put yourself at a better center of gravity. Now, I want you to remember this, is that your diaphragm, which is your main muscle of breathing is also your main muscle of balance, Mm. balance. So this now, this is bananas to me. Like this is mind blowing to me. Every time I say like I've been saying this for 15 years, right? Sure. It still blows me away. Your main muscle of balance is also your main muscle of breathing. Crazy, right?
0: This kind of explains that, like, I mean, I guess from a simplest form that most of us can probably relate is somehow you get really short of breath, you stand up and you get that dizzy. Yeah. I mean,
1: like, yeah like Is that yeah. is
0: that like a sensation fromness that you're just, your balance isn't there and your, your breath's off?
1: Well, what happens more, you know, kind of something that we can uh, identify with more is that if you um, uh, fall, think of your, your parents that might be at risk for falling as mm-hmm. older adults, which leads to uh, bone breaks, hip problems. It's bad, right? But if you are breathing vertically and putting yourself off balance, you're more likely to have an injury that has to do with your knee or your ankle. Yeah. So the getting up quickly has to do more with your blood, pressure, um, your blood pressure and chemistry in your body. That's what that has to do with. But um, if you're well oxygenated and if your center of gravity is good and if your movement is paired with your breath, you're more likely not to have that sensation of being off balance when you get up and you're more apt to be able to move with more fluidity. And uh, Greg Cook um, and and his fine folks, over at FMS did a study where they looked at uh, movement and breath and breath that is dysfunctional um, is correlated with dysfunctional movement. Um, I hope Gray, I I don't know him personally, but I hope I I summarize that in an okay way. So in order to move well, you have to be able to breathe well and yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about a little connection between movement and the breath. So I was a college athlete knew nothing about my breath or how to utilize it as an athlete, but my future wife started taking me to some yoga classes and I started to learn how to connect my breath to my movement a little bit. And I was like, why weren't they teaching us anything about our breath as college athletes? You know, they want expectations to perform at a high level, but it it was like my right. And can you talk a little bit, maybe for athletes, how maybe good and bad or whatever your opinions are, but, I know you like yoga. I think you're a yogi, but uh, how yoga can kind of help athletes find sure. some of that connection?
1: Sure. Um, I did yoga for a long time. Um, I actually do CrossFit now. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah. So, um, although this, my my studio <laughs> doesn't have any of CrossFit. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I mean, yoga is where my interest in the breath started. Okay. Um, and then – once I started teaching breathing, um, I mean, I've always been a gym rat. I used to be the sports psychologist for Gold's Gym, and I used to be at Men's Fitness Magazine, so I've always loved weights. Um, but now, where I just moved to San Diego, and there's a CrossFit gym two blocks away, and I'm just there every day because that's what I love, and it keeps me sane and it keeps me strong, and yeah, yeah all kinds of stuff. So, um, so, what's interesting is you're talking about locomotive pairing. Um, which is that with the movement, there should be a breath. And what's interesting is that when you add consciousness to breathing, you can unhook these two things. So all other animals, there's always locomotive pairing because breath is always unconscious. Is that when you see a horse running, there's always a pattern of breath. Always when an animal is moving, the breath has to do with... um, uh, um, you know, whether they're prey or predator, and often they're breathing, those two have the same breath, um, their metabolic needs, um, the movement that they're making. And it, it comes unconsciously. Now you've got humans, and you add, okay, now we can do things with our breath that have nothing to do with our movement. And we've actually gone to the other extreme, where now our movement and our breath are completely divided, and we're breathing in ways that you know, don't make for good movement, put it as put us at risk for injury and, you know, allow us to do things like, like hold our breath when we don't want to, or, um, you know, even snoring. I don't even actually don't know about the animal kingdom, but I'm going to guess that there's not too many animals that snore. I think that has to do more with us where we're depriving ourselves of, of oxygen and of good breathing at night. And sometimes even during the day, um, so uh, that locomotive pairing is super interesting. With yoga, it's interesting because, um, again, because I did my love of the breath started in yoga, and then continued with sports science. Like once I couldn't find the answers I wanted to, and that there was lots of questions I had to the annoyance of all my, uh, my yoga teachers, is that I went to sports science. Um, and there was Lots of answers, although in academic articles, now it's, it's, they're easier to read, but you know, it was tough to go down because there wasn't an in-between of, right. can you just translate this for me now? I wanna go for a run. Or can you translate this for me now? I just wanna deadlift today, or whatever it was. Um, so um, with yoga, you have the breath that goes along with the movement. What's interesting is that most people are not actually pairing the breath with the movement in yoga. The teacher probably is, and the advanced students, but yeah. it's it terrifically hard to get through a whole class where you are moving and doing the breath at the same time. Yeah. yeah.
0: Agree. I struggled. <laughs> I mean, and I think it was one of those that you had to keep coming back to, I mean, a lot like mindfulness or meditation, it, it was like you had, when a teacher kept reminding you, yeah, yeah but I was like, yeah, you can drift away and, yeah. and, and, and prioritize movement over breath. Yeah. Uh, you're
1: struggling time. to balance or stay in that crow's pose or whatever, and you're <laughs> like, you know, screw breathing. I just want to get up on my, you know, I just want to get into my handstand.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Well, I love uh, hearing a little bit about so, how yoga had influenced that because I think I was, yeah, sparked my mind and I was like well, what sports science say about this too? And I mm-hmm. think, you know, uh, I've been down the breath rabbit hole like you have in your expertise, but uh, getting my, my one oh one here for sure. Was there other things you kind of talked about the yoga, anything else that really fascinated you or really wanted you to get into this work and, and do this?
1: Um, so um, I have a martial arts background, short-lived career, career, martial arts. You know, I've loved martial arts. Um, I watched wrestling all through high school. In fact, I don't remember doing much else. I, I ran cross country, In high school and I watched a lot of wrestling because my high school was big into wrestling my boyfriend wrestled my brother wrestled so um, you know when you grow up like that my dad was an athlete and um, so sports were always interesting to see well okay well this is what we're doing in yoga well what's going on in sports so I started reading and found amazing people um, in sports science and breathing um, and they're there, they just don't spend a lot of time on Instagram. They are actually like writing and teaching and and doing clinical studies. Mm-hmm. So um, just got super fascinated with with the folks that had been teaching breathing um, and had been there for a very long time. When people think that the, the breath- this trend with breathing is new, there's like nothing, nothing new about it. Um, there's been people working on this and that have spent their entire lives uh, focusing on patterns of the breath, mechanics of the breath, the biochemistry, so on and so forth. So um, I loved looking at the science of it. So again, I like numbers. It's like you put one plate on, you do a few reps. Can you do less reps, put more plate? Like I like give me numbers and give me a goal. Um, give me measurable because you can't change what you don't measure. And often with breathing and the way that people knew breathing, which was sort of a meditative, is that you're taking this deep breath, you think, um, and there's trance, there's meditation, there's yoga. But I was sort of more interested in, well, what are the mechanics like? Are we doing it right? What do the numbers say as far as performance? And... Um, there's this in-between where you and I are talking about it or where it's a, it's a common topic, wasn't there. You had medical, which had to do with COPD and asthma, right? And then you had trance and yoga. And there was just no in-between where just your average person could talk about, hey, how's your breathing? Well, uh, I'm going mountain climbing. I'm you know, working on that. Or uh, I got COVID, I'm working on that. Or my kid has asthma. Or, you know, whatever, just yeah. come and talk. So that's hopefully the space that I'm I'm trying to get uh, fill And yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I, I, I sense that space with you because I think I'm, I spend a lot of my time working with student athletes, high school, college. And when you try to speak to them about breath, sometimes if I jump to Yogi World, I lost them. <laughs> yeah. uh, I lost that big line, man. He doesn't, he never done, yoga. he doesn't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it, I think like you brought up before, if I can present to them, why this could help them or give them an advantage in this moment or the next, then we, then we can have a discussion. Then we're, then we're starting to get in that space.
1: Give them numbers, yeah. you know, let them know. If you train your breathing muscles, you're going to get tired less soon. It's yep. called blade fatigue. Yep. And is there research on this? Tons of it, tons of research and they can see it. So you can say, you know what? Cause I know like I, I've, my background is in child psychology. So I know you have to get concrete and specific as well is like, give me two weeks of this and let's see what happens with your numbers. If your numbers, uh, well, again, you don't want to say if your numbers don't change because they won't, you don't want to go down that route of encouraging them not to change, but sure. give me give me two weeks of this. Let's see your numbers change. And they will, if you have an athlete and you can get, a measure of endurance for them. So here's a three k. Here's a row time. Here's a swim time, and then do breathing muscle exercises with them for two two weeks between fourteen and twenty one days. That time will change, and then they'll be you know so far up your ass to get more information about breathing. You just won't know what to do.
0: I think Isn't there some good research on just <laughs> when you focus on your breath during exercise? That I, I guess the research that I've come across two general two generalities come across usually is that if you focus on your breath, your perceived rate your perceived rate of exertion is usually lower
1: mm-hmm.
0: and your outputs are usually better. Possible? It, 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 yeah, very generalizing. <laughs> but you know, but and I think that was also, I think, not just with breath, but the same thing if like if you focus on the goal. Sure. It was, it, you yeah. know, this, I mean you had some of the same results, but I think breath, you could focus on your breath, you could focus on the finish line, whatever it might be. But in general, they kind of say, just Just thinking about it a little bit sure. will help you.
1: <laughs> yes. And, and I'm going to actually add to that for you. Please. Is that um, when you focus on your breath, uh, and I would kind of couch this for your students this way, you're less likely to be focused on the last thing you did wrong or worrying on the next thing that might not go well. So it keeps you in the present where is, which is where you want to be. So often, you know, coaches will say like not to think about those two things, but they don't give you what to do about it. Well, what do I do not to, because your brain automatically wants to beat you up because of that last play that you did wrong or stress you out about the next thing that has to happen. And you're responsible for it, or at least part of the team responsible for it. So the focus on the breath helps you stay present. Unfortunately, focus might throw you into that upper body breath, which actually stimulates you. Now, if you want to wake up a little bit, um, that there's breath patterns and ways of breathing that can wake you up. Um, but again, do you want your heart rate to go up? Because that upper body breath is probably gonna get your heart rate to go up a little bit and your blood pressure to go up. Like you may want to stimulate yourself. When I work with with first responders, especially SWAT and, um, at, firefighters as well is that I thought they were going to ask more about rejuvenating or uh recovery or calming uh-uh they wanted to know how do I stay awake how do I how do I push the envelope to stay awake and be more alert yeah so um i think saying focus is good but you're always going to want to be able to answer why mm-hmm. why am i focusing on the breath sure why is this and i know that for me it, for instance, working with, uh, with baseball players is that if you're focusing on the breath, it also stops you from ruminating and thinking about the mechanics. Because you know the mechanics. Whatever it is that you do, you've done it millions of times. So let your body do the mechanic. And if you're just focusing, and I would and I'd, I'd tell you also with the focus, have it be auditory. So not just focus brain, focus with your ears the sound. Um, and that's actually, that can be super helpful. Also to get you to sleep, I ask people, focus on the sound of the breath. Yeah. So anyway, long, long answer. Sorry Love about it. that. I know I, know I mean. You're
0: dropping knowledge here. It's great. <laughs> um, you, so one of my giant pet peeves in coaching you kind of addressed earlier at the beginning is if I see frustrated athletes come off a field during a timeout and the coach senses their frustration and he just says, take a deep breath. Yeah. Right. And uh, the kids don't know like what that means, what that is and is it just not help. I just don't find I mean you, what you said is right. We want them to start to take a breath maybe in this timeout, but as an athlete I found that more resentful like I'm fired up, I'm high emotion, high charge right now. Take a breath, calm down. I'm playing a game. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like but if we could get coaches to a point where they call that timeout And when they tell their kids to do something with their breath, they actually know what to do and it'll give them a helpful moment in the 60 seconds that they have before they have to go back out and compete. If I, I mean, so one thing I was going to ask you, if I could wave a magic wand, that's something I would correct. Um, If you could wave a magic wand and correct something about their breathing or say tomorrow, every person that wakes up, is going to do this breathing exercise, what would that exercise be?
1: Um, okay, let's go back to that timeout because it's okay. such an important time that I, I I love that you asked that question because it's, it's yeah. perfect. You see this kid who, you know, his coach just riled him up to get on the field and now he's coming off and he's saying, take a deep breath, which sometimes can feel condescending. It's almost like, it'll be okay. Don't be too tough on yourself. Take a deep breath. So, the number first thing I would say is tell your athlete to exhale because usually they've been doing something called hovering. So hovering, especially if you have to change direction is that you're in, you're in this in between inhale and exhale, because if you have to change direction quickly, your breath has to go with you. Mm -hmm. So you haven't been taking huge inhales and exhales when you're playing. Um, and now that you come off the field the best thing you can do first is let's empty the container (sighs) and now you want to tell them rather than breathe is that they want to i mean if they're sitting if it's hockey and they're sitting or, or is that you want them to sit down and start doing what's called rock and roll inhale rock forwards move your hips this is going to help decompress your spine exhale roll back and squeeze right? Keep everything low. So you want to have whatever word you use, say oxygenate, decompress your spine. So now they have something to do. It's not just mull over what happened or wait, get cold. So they play and then now they have to stay warm um, and do an oxygenate. And then they go back on the field. Like it's, it's much better to keep them in. There's a specific thing you have to do when you're off the field. So I would say sit down and I'm seeing you do it is that you teach them how to do rock and roll and a good breath, a good breath that, um, you know, takes your nervous system and kind of brings it back down into calm but alert that decompresses your spine and actually gets oxygen in and out of your body is one where your hips are moving. Now, especially if you have football players, game tight padding really gets in the way of you breathing. And there's a great article specifically about that um, that I posted a while ago. Mm. So often the gear that you have on is getting in the way of you playing. It's keeping you safe, you know, maybe some gear. Right. Uh, But I'd say sit down if if you're sitting. um, Tip forward. So when I say tip forwards, it means let your belly come forwards. It's an anterior pelvic tilt. So it's your butt's, it's selfie butt pretty much. Okay. And then you're going to tip your hips underneath you. It's a lot like cat cow. So it's seated cat cow. Think about that. Inhale is cow belly. Exhale, you're rolling back and you're squeezing and you're squeezing your lower abs. So your attention now is in the lower part of your body. Your frontal lobe isn't going crazy thinking about everything. Your breath is down low on your body. Inhale and exhale. Now one breath in the middle of your body is worth, you know, three, four, five breaths on top. So you've got a kid who now is actually oxygenating because when you come off the field, you have oxygen debt. Okay. Your muscles want oxygen. Your brain wants oxygen. You probably have, you're probably fatigued. Something called metabore has happened, which is blood stealing. It's when, um, the blood rushes to the inside of your body and, and causes your arms and your legs to feel tired. Um, so, you're going to try to reoxygenate as quickly as possible, right? And that lower body breath inhale, tip forwards, exhale, tip back is something that's good for your spine, reoxygenates you, and keeps you in that state of arousal that you want them to be. Love that
0: golden stuff out there for you coaches. Um... Some more, a couple will want to do a little round of uh, some short answer, rapid fire a little bit.
1: Love that, yeah.
0: Um, just some some things that I thought of one or two as we got talking here. So I'll start out with my selfish one that I thought of as I got talking here. Um, I like to climb uh, 14ers out here, the, the mountains out here, mm-hmm. which also, have you seen the movie 14 Peaks?
1: No, I will. Should I? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Will do.
0: So the, the guy that they feed, he he climbs the 14 tallest mountains. The last guy to do it did it in seven years. His goal was to do it in
1: seven months. I'm and, actually reading a book on climbing right now where so, it's histor- the, the greatest climb or the incredible climb, it's called something like that. Yeah. So the yeah. guy
0: the guy they called Nims that's featured in this movie, they eventually like take him to the UK and they hook him up to a, a, a bike test and he just blows it out of the water. He's like, you know, most elite Olympic athletes can do this for like 30 40 seconds he did it for three minutes no problem like like so but uh, my question was as you ascend a mountain out here in Colorado and oxygen gets thinner Mm -hmm. like my you know obviously the advice that I have heated as I do that is just to slow down bring my heart rate back down somehow Mm -hmm. but there's got to be something better I can do to help as when oxygen becomes reduced, do the environment, what type of breathing should I kind of be engaging in?
1: So, I mean, go, go to Sherpas who climb really high mountains. Um, right. Is that one of the things you can do is learn how to breathe um, nasal bugle. So your air is going in your nose and your mouth at the same time, okay? And once you start focusing on this, is that you'll feel it. Oh, wow. I can actually feel air going in my nose and my mouth at the same time. So that's pretty amazing. One of the problems with training yourself to breathe only with your nose is that your heart rate goes up. So maybe you stayed, now there's, there's so much literature on this right now, and it's so badly explained, is that Nasal only breathing is great when you're trying to, when you're using gears um, to manage your energy. But if your body needs oxygen, for instance, if you're at high altitude or if you're just exerting, you need to be able to get more oxygen into your body because sure. otherwise you're going to have that blood stealing and your arms and your legs your metamorphlex. So the first thing is learn how to breathe through your nose and through your mouth. Um, The second thing is that make sure your breathing muscles are not stealing oxygen from the rest of your body, okay? So how do you do that? You want your breathing muscles to be stronger. What do you do? Work them. Work them, perfect. Exactly, is that we have 11 pounds of breathing muscle in our body. So just visualize 11 pounds, like whether that's an 11 pound hamburger or whatever it is like imagine that like it's it's a glute someone's big glute it's like that's how much how much breathing muscle we have are you working it when you're doing cardio
0: yeah most of the time yeah i mean i engage it but i'm pretty usually unconscious about it Uh
1: so the answer (laughs) is no the answer is actually no when you're doing cardio you're working your heart yeah Okay. You are breathing, but you're not working your breathing muscles to exhaustion. And you know this, you're a coach. You want to build a muscle. You want to make a muscle stronger. You have to push it to exhaustion, right? Reps. Reps. So if you are doing your sport, cardio, and there's cardio involved in it, your breathing muscles are going along, but you're not working them to exhaustion. Mm -hmm. You actually have to work your breathing muscles separately from your sport, in yeah. order to train them. Yeah. Okay. So now when you're climbing these muscles are not taking up oxygen because they're undertrained.
0: Yeah.
1: And you can see this in your performance. There's a lot there's incredible amount of studies. The the book Breathe Better Perform Better was the first one that came out years ago um by a woman in the UK named Alison McConnell and since then There is there's just a tremendous amount of research on working out your breathing muscles and how that affects performance. Yeah, and they've shown it in cycling, um, in swimming, in running. Um, Right now, they haven't. We'll hopefully see it come out in CrossFit and see what happens with weight training and other sports. But we absolutely can say that it changes your endurance. Working out your breathing muscles separately.
0: Oh, for sure. I think. Yeah. Like, as I think about it, it's like, if I'm going to go hike a mountain, they've probably done some squats and strengthened their quads separately off the mountain, but they haven't yeah. strengthened their breath away from the mountain.
1: Yeah. And if you're going somewhere where there's less oxygen in the air, it means the rate of your breathing is going to have to go up, which means that the flex, the contractions and, and the movement, the working of your breathing muscles is going to be more. Now, if they're under-trained, they're going to suffer. Sure. So my brother's an archaeologist in in Machu Picchu. So he does a lot of uh, high altitude, and he's you know he always laughs about taking people up there and and what that's like. Well, that's Uh, one of my
0: bucket list things to do. All right, well, put in
1: contact with him. (laughs) Yeah,
0: we've had had a close friend of my wife and I's that did it, and I was extremely jealous, uh, fascinated by that place. Couple other things, uh, tools. Sorry, I guess. That was
1: rapid fire. I'll, no, I'll, I'll no.
0: That rapid fire. I, well, I got. It. I distracted us with the mountain. So, so the okay. ones I had down rapid fire is, um, if an athlete is feeling anxious or overstimulated, how should they address their breathing?
1: Uh, lower body breath, so diaphragmatic breath. Um, if you need to separate yourself, like I can feel myself starting to panic, um, is that I would put in earplugs. Uh, So you can hear your breath and you, I want you to try this afterwards is that get earplugs, put them in and you can hear the breath. Now, sometimes, not all the time, this can be super calming. Lower the breath, put the earplugs in. And then if the visual stimulation around you is, is making you anxious, close your eyes. And I often have athletes pick their song. They put on their song that they breathe to, even if it's 20 seconds, boom. And there's a cue for how to breathe. So what you do to your body is that you want your body to do something. So you give it as many cues for that thing as possible. So is it a scent, a song? What are you doing to get it to do whatever you want it to do? Is it that they put, I have, uh, I have athletes that if they're not wearing headgear, they'll put on um, like a a skull cap like a something warm on their head like that is comforting you know that is comforting the song they do their breathing and there's a smell or a, a jacket or something and even if it's 10 seconds 20 seconds it it automatically calms you down but you construct that for yourself the part that's scientific or the part that's like less personal is that you make sure you're breathing diaphragmatically and that's where you have to go to thebreathingiq.com and actually get your numbers okay so actually get your numbers and what the breathing iq looks at is it looks at your location of movement so am i breathing up and down am i breathing out is it a little bit of both and then it looks at your range of movement so how much thoracic excursion do i have how much am i using my diaphragm so that's the thing that's very practical. And then you make it personal for yourself to pull yourself down. Love it. Off the field, you need to teach them to do this so they know it works. And again, numbers help. So for instance, you, they have some kind of a heart rate monitor on. They see themselves. They're going into what's called when I work with military law enforcement tactical. They're going into the black, mm. right? So that might be for them 150, 160, 170. Okay. Pull yourself down. OK, and then they realize, oh, wow, I went from 170 to 140. I did that. Right. And then they realized uh, with my breathing and whatever thing I had to use. So teach them to pull their heart rate up and teach them to pull it down. That was because the, then they really own it.
0: The next thing I was going to be like, how do you how do you bring your heart rate down? Because I know Steph Curry, of the NBA, I guess, is, is kind of famous for that. You know, they call timeout and his heart rate's probably pumping at like 140 150 and he'll during 60 seconds or 90 second timeout he'll get his heart rate back down under 100 mm-hmm. that's something that i guess he you know he he takes an intentional focus during a timeout to do that now that's cool kids think that's cool oh cool Steph Steph's using breathing yeah. can you can you tell us why what steph's doing is is useful
1: Okay, well you have to remember when we when we look at a professional athlete is that they're aliens, they're gifted. (laughs) Sure, sure. But for us that are not um Steph Curry, is that what would we do to be able to get that same result, even though he probably doesn't know exactly what he's doing and he's got the genetics for it. So you would take your kid and you would obviously take his breathing IQ, work out his breathing muscles intentionally, and then you'd go, okay, let's get um your breathing up to this number. Now you're gonna use diaphragmatic breathing um, and slow down your breath, and now breathe through your nose because you're wanting to slow things down. Once your mechanics are perfect, that's what you wanna do, and that will bring your heart rate down. And then you make it competitive, is that get all those numbers and see who can bring their number down the quickest. Now remember, your heart rate is up for two reasons, the physical stress and the psychological stress. So it's always, that's what's really hard. And that's why I work with firefighters and it's always hard to do research with firefighters because it's hard to parse out how much of the stress of the fire is psychological and how much is physical. Um, So with these kids, their numbers are the ones they're going up against. So you have one kid who his heart rate goes up to say 140 and it takes, you know, it takes her or him uh, five minutes to bring it down to anywhere near their resting heart rate. Yeah. You teach them how to take a diaphragmatic breath, which is going to be a calming one already. It's a more efficient one. Um, you get them to breathe through their nose and you get them to slow it down. How long does it take? Now, now go bringing it down, bringing it down, bringing it down. And it's fun. It doesn't have to be like woo woo and it doesn't have to have words that are just like, you know, take a deep breath. You can yeah. actually bring metrics in and make it something that kids really own. Like I can get, I, I can influence my heart rate. I can bring my own heart rate down. That's tremendously empowering.
0: For sure. Data is, yeah. When you show a kid their own data, like,
1: Ooh, yeah.
0: Like that's, that's impactful. Uh, One other question I had, I don't know if this, is this a a myth out there in breathing? I've heard that uh, to help your cognitive is to alternate nasal breathing.
1: Oh, that's yoga philosophy. Is and
0: that? I mean, is, is there?
1: Yeah, yeah. So there is there is a connection there. And um, you know, when I started doing this, there wasn't as much re- as much research with yoga breathing as there is now. And there's a huge amount of there's a fantastic amount of studies out there that look at yoga and brain waves. Um, I, there's two articles I can think of off the top of my head. They're just fantastic. Is that uh, yoga breathing, um, pranayama, definitely changes brain waves. So, and that's not, you know, not woo woo anymore. Right. Uh, it never was, but now we actually have studies for it. So there's fantastic studies looking at brain waves and, and at yoga and alternate nostril breathing. From what I have read, does really affect your brain. Cool. Um, so yeah, the problem is that a lot of us. Uh, may not have noses that work you know we may not be able to change from one nostril to another especially if you work uh work with folks in 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 combat sports um you know if hockey players football players martial artists like find me someone who actually has two nasal passages that are completely open it's not it's not that easy yeah
0: love it this is some great stuff doctor greatly appreciate you coming on the show thanks for dropping so much knowledge i hope uh i I know i got plenty of breath stuff to to go work on and focus on and i'm sure my muscles need the strength for those mountains so (laughs) extremely blessed to have you thank you so much for sharing with us today
1: anytime anytime this was absolute pleasure
0: Thank you for listening. If something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode, we would love your help spreading the Elevate message. You can find me on Instagram at Elevate, educate, Rejuvenate. That's with the numeral instead of the A-T-E. Thank you again. And if I can help you with anything, please reach out. And don't forget, go Elevate Others.